The biggest thing you gave me was time. I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it well. When you're a family, everyone in the family has to be treated with respect. Coach Wooden, it always started with uh, relationships. It always started with coaching people's hearts. I want to know who you really are, right? You can put whatever you want on paper, but that that doesn't really matter. His teachers, they meet the learner wherever he is. They don't care what you know. <laughs> they won't. Until they know how much you care. I'd like for you to take us through your story to uh, to get you where you are today as the as the assistant dean uh, at VCU. Uh, and you can take as long or as little time as you as you like, because I think it's so important that when when we hear other people's story, sometimes that's a big inspiration for us. Well, I appreciate you um, for having this conversation because I wish that we had more time when I was coming up that we could have had informal conversations with leaders that was this accessible. So um, I'm country, okay? So I'm from Appomattox County, Virginia, <laughs> um, small little town, and it's where the Civil War ended. Like that's that's the claim to fame. So um, my high school, my family still lives there. I grew up on the land and my daddy was born on. So my roots, my family, that's my foundation. So being from Appomattox, I went to the University of Virginia undergrad. I actually walked on the track and field team there. Um, after walking on, I earned uh, a full scholarship and track there, uh, but that was after breaking the school record, which is a very funny way of getting a scholarship. Um, but while I was there, I went to UVA for academics, not for athletics. So I actually spent a lot of time in the classroom doing research, um, taking summer classes, really pursuing that part of me because I knew I wanted to get an advanced degree. So when I graduated from UVA, I had qualified automatically for the Olympic trials um, back in 2008, aging myself, but, <laughs> um, and, but track taught me like so much and it taught me not to quit. I didn't believe I had that much in me until I accomplished that much. So um, after the trials, I went to Indiana University and that's where I got both my master's and doctorate in higher education. Um, while I was there, I got to work with enrollment management. I got to recruit um, first-generation low-income students to Indiana. I got to do research, all this fun stuff. Um, and then I became an administrator for a few years while I finished my doctorate. And working in higher ed is interesting because I wasn't working in athletics anymore. Um, for the two years after undergrad, I actually was a volunteer assistant coach in both UVA and IU. And so I missed the track. And so I changed my research. I started studying Black women student athletes. I started a program called the Black Athlete Sister Circle at JMU. And that was it. I knew I had to become a professor. So I transitioned to being a professor after three years as an administrator. And then in 2020, I became the assistant dean while also still being a professor here in the School of Ed. And I'm still studying sports. I'm still interacting with coaches and students and administrators. It's just that thing that I learned myself um, learn more about myself and I learned how to be who I am because of that experience in undergrad. And it's been hard to leave that ever since. Wow. Again, I say you're a very accomplished lady. <laughs> but, but you know, we do, we have had a lot of former athletes on the program. And, and that's one common thread is that they, they, they focus in on what they want 
and they go at it just as hard as they did when they were student athletes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually sometimes they, <laughs> they, it's even, they do it even harder, right? They, they lock in even more because when you were a student athlete, you had a coach, you know, and that coach was driving you, that coach was pushing you. And yeah, on Monday and on Tuesday, when you talk about your track workouts, uh, you just kind of didn't want to be there, but but okay. coach drove you. Well, today, you you love it. You know, you do what you love and, and you don't need the coach to, mm-hmm. to push you, to drive you. So uh, my next question kind of goes to that is, you know, You've been around some phenomenal leaders, I can imagine. And, you know, my, my question is, is who are, who are in your life as a, as a student athlete, as a, as a career woman, who are the people in your life who have been the best leaders? And, and what, are you, what would you say you've learned from those people? You know, there are three distinct people when I think about this. Um, and each at pivotal stages of my development, um, Randy Bungard was my coach at, at UVA and he took this, <laughs> this walk on who couldn't even finish practice the first few months. Um, and he challenged me to believe that I can be more than I could. And, and he developed in me this ability to study my own film, to critique myself. He would ask me questions like, does it feel right? What, what, well, that's what it looks like. Does it feel right? So he taught me how to make adjustments in the moment and that being great doesn't feel good all the time. Um, when I was in my doctorate program and my master's program, Sarah Boer, um, she works in the executive vice president office at IU. She was my supervisor for about five years or so. And she was one of the first women that I saw just lead. Right. There was no boundary. There was no questioning. When she walked into a room, you knew she was going to have something to contribute, not just be at the table, but lead at the table. And she brought others with her. I never felt like I was a grad assistant. I always felt like I'm her, her colleague. And, and that helped to shape how I came, um, became a professional. And then now working with um, Andrew Dare, he's my dean. Um, and he's going on to be provost at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. But during my interview, he said, I need somebody here with big ideas. I need someone who is a visionary, who can come and bring energy, bring innovation, think about excellence, think about impact. And I bought into it. And there has never been a moment that that moment during my interview has not been a part of my my style of leadership and what I've been able to accomplish. So having those people at different periods brought something out of me that I am unable to escape from. And so um, I was, when you started saying how now, when you talk to former athletes, they go hard. Um, it's resonated with conversations I'm having in my current life now as a professional where people are like, how do you do so much? How do you manage everything? I don't know how not to. <laughs> I don't know how not to function as a high performing athlete. And right. because it seems so uncanny to people who don't have that experience at the highest levels, there's always the questions about how do you manage so much? And then I think back over those leaders who taught me how to do those things. And that's how I'm able to balance so much. Right. And, and so my next question, it, it actually rolls right off of that because being a high performing athlete, right? When you roll out there on the track, what events did you run? Um, I was a long jumper, triple jumper and a short sprinter. Okay. So, so on, on what I call game day as a football coach, football player, your meet 
your meet your your competition days that was the day that's when you know everything was clearer to you those days uh when when we were both young uh, uh we knew exactly what that was about so my question is what is that for you today what is your game day what what is that thing that drives you what is that thing that pushes you you know it's not the short sprints it's mm -hmm. not the triple jump. What mm -hmm. is your triple jump today? Mm -hmm. So I have dual roles. So there's two different kind of, I call them light bulb moments at this stage. So when I am thinking about my role as an instructor and a professor, honestly, it is that light bulb moment for my students. There is nothing better than for me to be in a class or in a one-on-one -on -one session and a student who I know their professional goals are attached to this information that I'm helping to facilitate their learning experience. And all of a sudden they get it. It's like a 2 a.m. email. It's a random drive by my office. It's like a, a sputter of an idea. And I live for those moments because I know that that is a meaningful exchange. There's a meaning making that's happening. Things are just pistons are firing. And it's almost like the handoff on the four by one. When, when I'm able to pass it on and they can just run through the, line, the finish line and run through it because that's in track. You know, you right. don't run for the hit, you run all the way through the line. That's right. kind of that moment for me. Um, as an assistant dean, I oversee our student affairs and inclusive excellence work in the School of Ed. So for me now, that work is actually having a student graduate and not just graduate, but feel confident at graduation. So it's really rolled into that student's success. So sometimes that might be, hey, I'm ready to apply for a job. I feel confident. Can you help me prep for my interview? Or when I'm working with my athletes, I know what I'm going to do next. You know, that's what they want. They're ready for that. They're ready for that graduation and being grown discussion. You know, it's not the plan B. It's always the plan A. Um, but they're confident about the next step. That's what really drives me. It's those moments where it's like, wow, you really are ready to move on. We've done enough here. Right. And, and I, I can, when you talk about the light bulb moments as a mm -hmm. coach, you know, I got player A and he's just not getting it. And it doesn't matter how I how I lay it out, how I uh, drill him. He's just not getting it. And then all of a sudden, sometimes, sometimes it's the smallest thing, mm -hmm. but you see it. And, and like you said, man, that's that's why we do it. That's that's why we do it. And, and um, fortunately. I can almost say, unfortunately, sometimes it has been where a player is long gone and he calls back and says, you know what, coach? Man, I got it now. I knew what you were saying. I'm, right. a, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I get it. You know what I mean? And so you don't always get to see it. You don't always get to see it in their presence. You don't always get to see the flower bloom. Sometimes they have to take a picture and send it to you for you to realize it really did happen. And with some of my players, yeah, you got to take a picture, play. Um, <laughs> so my next question, and, and this is one that over the years, as I say years, we've been doing this for some years, but over the years uh, with Gist, as we started in, in the moment of COVID, in the moment of our social justice initiatives all over the country, there's a lot of adversity as we as we all faced, especially uh, from leaders. Um, 
how did how did those moments for sure you can remember them how did those moments i can see the face <laughs> how did those moments make you a better leader so you know I'll, I'll use the example of being in COVID, right and in the pandemic and everything shutting down because i am not just a person who works at the university i'm also a mother a daughter you know a friend so when everything shut down to use that moment to think about that adversity I transitioned into being an assistant dean. I was working from home. You know, a lot of the racial injustice was happening. Everything was up for discussion. Nothing was stable. And it was a lot of adversity because the way we had normally done things just was not working anymore. The plays that we were used to, the strategies, nothing was functioning properly. Um, what it caused me to do was one, I learned how to sit with myself. Critical self-reflection became a part of my daily practice. I'd already been thinking, you know, after something happens, but I started thinking before I made decision. I started planning out how I would respond and what would be the option. One of my friends calls that calculated risk-taking, right? I started paying attention to what were the possibilities. And so when I hit, was hit with the adversity of students feeling, you know, like the curriculum wasn't inclusive enough and, and we needed to work on that or people feeling like their mental health was more of a priority than their regular job because of the stress of taking care of children, still trying to meet all of the expectations of the academy, I felt helpless a lot of times. And so slowing down and just sitting and thinking about all of the moving pieces that are happening at the same time, um, it's almost like watching game film and paying attention to all the movements that's happening. That helped me to then be able to challenge because I wasn't just facing adversity by seeing what wasn't working, by paying attention to what were all the things that were wrong. I gave myself an opportunity to think about possibilities, to see options, to see what we could do and to plan them out, not only alone, which was like this technical challenge, but really thinking about those adaptive challenges where I had to go to the right people and form the right teams and have the right collaboration in order to conquer those things. So adversity helps me to slow down a little bit because with everything that's happening and I'm certain a lot of people are used to just moving right. at the speed of light, slowing down kind of gives us a little bit more control over what our next steps are gonna be. And that's how I've come to face diversity as a leader, a lot more with confidence and actually a lot more calculated. And to be frank, not just flying by the seat of my pants as, as sometimes we do when we're so used to making movements in the moment. Right. Well, you, you've, you've kind of touched and really alluded to your title at VCU. And, and so what I want to ask you is, is really what, what is inclusive excellence at VCU? What is that? So inclusive excellence is the combination of not only the academic experience, the social and professional experience of students, faculty, and staff. And we do it with the lens of making sure that everyone has access to the resources and opportunities that they need to be successful in whatever they're trying to do. And so it's not only a sense of belonging, it's not only making sure that our curriculums reflect inclusivity and, and equity, but it's really a, a holistic way of approaching life. We have a very diverse community. So within the School of Education, the way we operate is from a space where one, there's a culture of belonging, we want to make sure that everyone knows that they belong. That means you're welcomed, you're supported, there's just, 
and fair um, opportunities for participation. Um, there's also a sense of commitment to not only equity, but inclusion. Not only can you participate, but do you have the appropriate resources and knowledge of the resources that you need to be successful? And then thinking about the policies and practices to do that. And so ways that we do that is through shared governance, which happens a lot <laughs> within academia, but we also do that through, through conversations. We try to use dialogue as the tool and the medium to make sure that people understand what's happening. So that's opening the doors for students to know that they have power in their voice, to have faculty feel like they can be supported. If they need resources, we can talk about those things and get access to that. But I interpret it for my own self is that when I'm at the table, there is no policy or practice that should happen without questions about who's not in the room and who's in the room and why and what's being discussed and how it's being discussed and making sure that we're paying attention that we aren't just talking about numbers. We aren't just talking about butts and seats. We're talking about humans. We're talking about people's dreams, their investments. We're thinking about people holistically. And that's how we ensure that whether it's an academic conversation or an administrative conversation, people have an opportunity to be thought about in the room and when they're not even in the room. Three powerful words that that you that you mentioned that you mentioned there: equity, inclusion, belonging, mm -hmm. and and it's 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 kind of weird that at this place uh, in in our society that that we don't get that uh, in, in a lot of places. But uh, very powerful, very important in the world that that we live in. Let's talk about your staff and let's talk about your leadership style, right? The people who work with you, how would they, how would they describe your leadership style? And, and over the course of your career, do you think it's changed at all? Yeah, I'm going to answer the second part first. It okay. has definitely changed. Um, one, I became a leader where I was leading people older than me when I first became a director. You know, and so my leadership style was, let me just make sure that we hit all of the outcomes and the solutions and that everyone is happy. Yep. That is not leadership. Okay, <laughs> that is managing. Right. Right. That is just getting to the bottom line and that's not relationship driven. So my leadership style has had to change to adapt to intergenerational, multicultural settings. You know, I have people that can be, um, Anything at any time on my team, I have grad assistants, undergrad, undergraduate students, folks who've been in their positions 20 plus years. And so I can't come to the table with that mindset. So my team, one day would laugh and they would use descriptors like, I have very high expectations for my team. Joy is a part of my team, um, as is reflection and data. So those are the ways that my leadership style comes. I'm going to come by your door every day I'm in the building. I'm going to say hi to everyone almost every day. I'm going to ask how you're doing. If I see you looking down, I'm going to ask, is everything okay? If you need a hug, I'm going to do that. But do know there's a lot of strategic planning and some setting up high goals. That's that athlete. I'm always competing, not with anyone else, but just with myself. Um, but also my leadership style is collaborative. I do not believe that we should make unilateral decisions all the time. And so asking the voice and the, and the experience um, of those that I work with is important to make a decision where it, they might inform it, even though they might not um, be the ones who make the final decision, but they will know that I considered them and that I saw them. Um, but that high expectations, boy, my, my team would definitely say, we know she's an athlete. 
uh, because we set goals. I'm like, what did we do last year? What does the data say? Raise the bar. Um, and we're also very strategic. Um, my leadership style is paying attention to what's happening and maximizing those relationships. It's a little political. Um, it's, a, it's very transformational, but it's also a servant leader. I mean, I don't mind loading boxes, stuffing packets, talking with parents, walking students to a class. All of that means that I'm doing it with them. So the expectation is that we all share in these endeavors, but there's also joy there. And I hope that more offices and more spaces have joy because we laugh a lot. We love food, you know, all of those things. There's no meeting without eating, right? So right. we have all of that present while still working hard. I need to know when you guys are having another meeting, right? That's <laughs> what <laughs> so you should put that on everybody's calendar. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a foodie, so we have to talk about food. <laughs> Good. Good. So um, this this one is always a, a challenge for leaders. Uh, now, once they get into it, then then they they handle it great. But like, how as a leader, how do you measure your performance? How do you measure? How do you know when you have succeeded or when you need? when there's work for you to do. And this is in your own mind sometimes. You know, it's really the intangible things a lot of times. Um, I have like sidebar conversations with my team and those who I will collaborate a partner with. And I say, hey, how do you think it went? Did mm -hmm. you, what influence do you feel that you had? I know what we talked about while we were making this decision. Like, how does it make you feel now that we've had this? I do that reflection because that's what's most important to me. That's that belonging. And that's that piece of making sure that people's voices matter and that I have an inclusive space because there are some things I don't have to negotiate about myself. I know that I am going to work hard. I know that I am going to have high expectations. I know that I'm going to push the envelope even when it's not something that makes everyone else feel comfortable. But what's most meaningful for me is that the people who worked with me and alongside me felt as though they had some type of influence because if they did, I'm getting their very best. And right. if in that reflection, they can tell me that they felt they felt it. I know for a fact that they're thinking about, okay, man, I might've missed a mark. Let me do better next time. And they're gonna take their own responsibility and I don't even have to name it most of the time. I just ask questions and they talk and that gives me feedback to say, wow, maybe I should have pulled this strength out of them or maybe they should not have had this type of role. So there's an evaluation of my leadership style and am I taking up too much space and how I'm allowing my authority and my influence to shape what's happening. And, and because of that, that's that critical self-reflection coming in place again. It allows me to then slow down and think about next time I will do these things differently or I will continue these things. And so I really enjoy the debriefing because I don't think that leadership is an isolated event or an action. It is something that is done with and not done for. Right, 100%. Um, I, I hear a lot of reflection, right? A lot of it. <laughs> so this is this is my final question. And this is always a cool question for people uh, because you you are a reflector. So this this is your question. So you could talk to the younger Tamika. Mm -hmm. You know, you've learned a lot over the years and you're talking to this young lady. What would you tell her that you know now that she just wasn't getting a little while ago? I love this question. Um, for me, I think I would say, don't silence yourself because 
your voice has meaning. Um, I'm an extrovert and I've always been a person. I can talk to a rock. I'm a <laughs> small town. If you've been to a small town, everybody's a friend and every person you meet is an opportunity to have a new family member, right? And so, but there are a lot of times where my personality didn't mesh well with every environment that I would go in, whether it be um, a, you know, something dealing with some type of marginalization, or if other people just wanted to take up more space, there have been plenty of times where I've negotiated who I am in those spaces. And I wish that I would have affirmed myself rather than having that external affirmation of chasing the next achievement or the next medal or the next win. I wish I would have just settled in a couple of times and just been like, you know what, I'm going to say what needs to be said. And, and that matters. And so that's what I would, I would share with myself. Like, you know, you have something to say, and that's, what's powerful about um, being able to have those moments and reflection. Cause I now get to pour out into other people, my mentees and other students that I get to work with. And that's what I love to do. And I think that's, that's really cool that you say that because I, I have that sometimes in my life is that as a coach, you you get to do it quite a bit. You get to pour into people quite a bit. You get to voice your opinion quite a bit. You have the mic often. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll get into those spaces and I'll say, you know what? Let me let him have the floor. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna let him have the floor. I, I have something to say here, but but I'm gonna go ahead and pass. And then I, after that moment was done, I realized, you know what? He didn't say this and he didn't, think about this part and I could have shared that and I did uh and so uh yeah I I see that and I'm from Houston uh very big city uh and and I'm as extroverted as they can and I, I I've seen myself I have talked to quite a few rocks over the years <laughs> so, I'm telling you know and they don't always talk back so you got to learn what's a rock and what's not <laughs> mine talk back and we have a great oh goodness <laughs> have a great conversation i coach girls basketball when i i, co I coached high school when i first started coaching. oh so patient <clears throat> oh no 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 there was no patience there was no patience like, <laughs> no there was no patience i actually so so this team they were really good athletes mm -hmm. they loved basketball and and it was cool because they always challenged me to to coach them and I went into, I went into the environment. I had a coach come to me and say, "Hey, I need you to help me coach girls basketball. You're gonna coach the freshmen." Hey, man, listen, I don't know anything about basketball, and and coaching girls that is gonna be a whole different deal, don't you? So I'm like, like I'm the ultra competitor, and um, so my football guys that I coached, like they got yelled at. They got, you know, they got it, right? And uh, so here I am, I'm gonna have to go into this environment. I don't have a daughter, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm actually afraid to have a daughter because I knew what would happen is that like, I would get rumbled over. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna go into this environment with these young ladies and I'm gonna coach them. I only know one way to coach, it's, it's like, we're going, we're trying to win every game. We're trying to get every rebound. We're trying to score every point. I don't, I, I'm not going to, if you don't work hard, I'm going to lash, you know, well, I go into this environment and these young ladies, they worked. So they immediately challenged me. They said, coach, 
We've come to your football games. We know what you do. Don't coach up, coach us like you coach them. And I'd always say, yeah, you, you don't want, you don't want. <laughs> and so I never gave it to them. I, I never, except for, for one week, there was a week we were playing, we were playing a, a rival. We were playing against a team with a guy, this, this coach, he rubbed it in. He, he, he ran up the score. He rubbed it in on teams. He would keep his starters in the game. And so there was Coach Malone kind of came out, right? Because I, <laughs> I wanted to beat this team. My team was good. His team was good. But I really wanted to, for all those teams that he, like, ran through, I, I wanted to give him a, the business. <laughs> so Coach Malone was different this week. Like, Coach Malone is 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 all over people. You know what I mean? Right. He is... I mean, there's no like nice coach Malone would say, hey, what do you guys want to call the play? Hey, this don't worry. You don't feel like running today. OK, it's fine. You know, well, Coach Malone's voice was a little deeper. Hey, what about <laughs> over there? Right. Coach Malone was yelling. Uh, well, we get into the game and 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 I could see it from the bench. My girls are a little chippy. You know, they're 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 like throwing elbows there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were going so. <laughs> This is what's so crazy. Like somebody's at the free throw line. The young lady shoots the ball. The ball goes through the net. One of my young ladies grabs the rebound. You know, right? The other team, the opponent is like, um, excuse me, it was just a free throw. <laughs> you know, you're acting like we're going live. And she she jerked the ball and looked at the girl and kind of rolled her eyes. I know it was we were on another level. Well, we were so chippy that at halftime, the ref came over to me and he said, Hey, coach, uh, you might want to talk to your girls because they're, I mean, they kind of they kind of going off a little bit. <laughs> okay, so what are you saying? You said my girls are not classy. So I went into that locker room and I was letting them have it. And one, and I learned this, this was like a learning moment for me. One of the young ladies raised her hand and said, Coach, because I was like, hey, we don't do that. We're classy. We don't, blah, blah, blah. I was just like getting all on them. And uh, one of the girls raised her hand and said, Coach, this is this is what we thought you wanted. This is how you've been all week. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know what? What I just learned is that your students, mm -hmm. your players, they wear the jersey that that you give them right if, mm. if you are soft and subservient and and you don't go hard mm -hmm. no matter what you might say that's what you're getting you know i just have before that game i just happened to have a really talented group of young ladies and i was just letting them you know do their thing but for this game i coached them you know, and I and I and I demanded excellence from them, and and I, I like I said, I learned in that moment. No, man, you've been you've been doing it wrong. You know, you know how to coach, but you haven't been coaching these young ladies. What you said earlier, you just kind of been managing them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not my job. My job is to coach them. So <laughs> we, of course, we won this game, yeah. and we didn't lose another game. Um, we didn't lose another game the rest of the season in Houston. You know, we won the city championship, mm -hmm. but, but it was because of that moment of learning 
that it was my job to give them the uniform that I wanted them to wear. And the uniform I wanted them to wear was excellence, was playing hard at all times. Now, I, I, I did not mind if the, if on the free throws, they let the ball go through the net, you know what I mean? They didn't have to grab it and roll their eyes. I didn't mind if they didn't do that part, you know what I mean? But But I did want you to be excellent. I did want you to be all that you you say you wanted to be. And I was not, before that game, I was not giving them that, you know? And so uh, I, because they were young ladies, which they let me know it. And, and honestly, I'm still connected with them, right? Oh, wow. Some of them are married, kids, and they always let me know, coach, you, you know, before that game, you were cheating us. Mm. And they're exactly right. Uh, and so I, I learned, you know, never to do that as a coach. I appreciate that story. You just, that's, I'm going to use this in teaching. Um, the quote that you said, you know, you give them the jersey you want them to wear. And I wish that more leaders would reflect upon that. Um, this is my sixth academic year in a school of ed, but my first five years, I actually was teaching in our doctorate of education and leadership program. So all I've taught since I've been here is leadership. And my leaders that I've taught have been everyone from vice presidents, the principals, the teachers. Wow. And we talk about, you know, who you are and how you show up, everything filters through you. So if I show up and I'm having an irritable moment and I'm irritated, my leadership, my decision-making, how I interact, my conversations are all gonna sound irritated. If I'm frustrated, if I'm angry. So I pay attention to how I show up. And so I'm very jovial. I don't know what it is. Like, I just have this innate thing. I just wake up and I'm like, life is great. So I am a half full person, but there are moments when I don't want that. And right. so I have to make a conscious choice when I walk into a room, what is it that everything is going to be filtered through? And so I pay attention to that. So I, I think that's a um, very much synonymous to the Jersey concept. I'm using that quote. I'm going to cite you because I'm going I'm to educate. I'm going to cite you. It might be in a, in a paper that I'm going to send you. Um, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely probably going to quote you in the next like two weeks because that's, that's so powerful if leaders don't realize that we do have some authority and power, because authority and power are not the same thing. I can be powerful and have no title and no authority, and I can right. have authority and have no power. And right. so if you, when you blend the two and realize that they both are choices, that's yeah. the win. And you just basically said that you had to adjust your authority so that your um, athletes were able to adjust to your power. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm a, I'm a big person. I'm a leadership book reader, and um, I don't know what just happened. Lost you. She froze. Uh-oh. And she said hello, so it means she she lost. I'm, okay, thing. now I'm back. Oh, hey, there. But yeah, no, but I was just saying, like, it's just like this difference between authority and power, right? You know? And so I wish that more leaders would be aware that we can give up power and still maintain that authority. Um, but it's the acknowledgement of both. Um, but I, I just, I love that story. I cannot wait to like share this, um, especially because you were coaching girls. And we know my daughter plays basketball. And the first thing that she's learning is how to be aggressive. Um, <laughs> we'll teach shooting later, but I'm, I'm trying to teach her to, to she's tall and she, I'm like, take up all the space, grab, yeah. fight for what you want. But what I learned, you know, boys, yeah, guys, coaching mm -hmm. guys, that's, that's, that's like, honestly, it's hard to coach guys because they think they know. 
And like I have one of my former players, man, she's 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 so smart. She is um, she works for Google, but but as an as an adult living her life, she's just like she was as a player. She is she she follows the rules. She 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 stays on track. She accomplishes her goals. I remember telling her. Listen, I don't know what I'm talking about, but what I said to her is, hey, listen, you want to get better? I need you every day after practice to shoot 15 layups, 24 free throws, whatever. I don't remember what it was I gave. She did it every day. Mm -hmm. She did it every day. And and she got better. Mm -hmm. I think she got better. Just it wasn't shooting those layups, but (laughs) but young ladies they follow they follow the coaching they take the coaching you saying to your daughter take up all the space she's not going to do anything more than what you're directing her than you teaching her to do guys oh they want to do they want to add all this stuff into it right Mm -hmm. Add their own little things into it that they saw somebody else do and young ladies they take the coaching and they perfect the things that you're giving them, they work on what you gave them. Mm-hmm. They don't try to add their own little, yeah, guess what? At some point you should, right? But <laughs> but you got to master what, you got to master the skills and techniques that we're working on right now. You uh-huh. know, you, you're trying to dribble behind the back when you can't even dribble with your right hand. You know? <laughs> uh, and so that was the joy that I got mm-hmm. coaching young ladies is that they listen they did exactly the way you said it. And so you, so as a coach, you actually had to make sure your teaching skills that you were on point, that you didn't mm-hmm. just throw out some things because you would have them doing things that didn't match up because they're going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. where guys, guys are like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that. that, that, that that's that's not going to work. You know, a guy will say that in his own mind. You know, he might he might go through the motions, but a young lady or those ladies that I coached, um, they they follow direction. Now, the bad thing about coaching the young ladies is I had to figure out, okay, who who really didn't want to go into the game? Uh, who was mad at who? Uh, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. So you're talking about relationships. They matter. Okay. Hey. You know, there's two things can be true at the same time. I and can both were. want to play with her and not like her. And you got to be aware of that, coach. You know? I was always like, oh, let's go get in the game. Uh, I don't want to go in. Wait, what? I thought you said you you wanted to play more of this game. Well, I don't want to now. All right. Okay. Right. <laughs> you got to pay attention to the details. But, you know, you said um, that you have to master what you're learning now. And that's, I, I really, we're going to have a future conversation. Because one of the things I tell my mentees is master what you're responsible for before you try to take on more. You know, there's nothing worse than trying to learn all of the things and doing nothing. Right. You know, you're you're not even hitting any goals. You're not you're not measuring up on anything. You can't even hit the benchmarks. So, you know, <laughs> right. it's like like the benchmark is like the basic level, but you're out here trying to shoot for excellence when you yeah. haven't even gotten your foundation well. And and I think that's the difference between coaching and instruction. Like I can tell you how to do it, but coaching you to do it well is two different things. And not every coach has achieved that. Not every educator has mastered that. It's a lot of people that can tell you how to do a math problem, 
but it's a different person who can help you build the capacity to want to work all the way through it until you get it the right way. Right.